0: Audio 48, a sermon by George Whitfield entitled The Eternity of Hell Torments. Matthew 25, 46. These shall go away into everlasting punishment. To the inhabitants of Savannah in Georgia, my dear friends, though the following sermon has been preached elsewhere, yet as the occasion of my preaching it among you was particular, as you seem to give an uncommon attention to it in public, and afterwards express your satisfaction in it to me. When I came to visit you in your own houses, I thought proper to offer it to you. And here I cannot but bless God for the general dislike of heretical principles that I have found among you, as also for your zeal and approbation of my conduct. When the glory of God And your welfare have obliged me to resent and publicly declare against the anti-Christian tenets of some lately under my charge. I need only exhort you to beg of God to give you a true faith and to add to your faith virtue that you may adorn the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ in all things your constant daily attendance upon public worship, the gladness wherewith you have received me into your houses, the mildness wherewith you have submitted to my reproofs, more especially the great, though unmerited, concern you showed at my departure, induce me to hope this will be your endeavor. How long God of his good providence will keep me from you, I know not. However, you may assure yourselves, I will return according to my promise as soon as I have received imposition of hands and completed the other business that called me hither. In the meanwhile, accept of this as a pledge of the undissembled love of your affectionate though unworthy pastor, George Whitfield. London, 1738. The excellency of the gospel dispensation is greatly evidenced by those sanctions of rewards and punishments which it offers to the choice of all its hearers in order to engage them to be obedient to its precepts. For it promises no less than eternal happiness to the good and denounces no slighter a punishment than ever lasting misery against the wicked on the one hand it is a favor of life unto life on the other a favor of death unto death and though one would imagine the bare mentioning of the former would be sufficient to draw men to their duty yet ministers in all ages have found it necessary frequently to remind their people of the latter and to set before them the terrors of the Lord as so many powerful dissuasives from sin. But whence it is that men are so disingenuous, insincere, deceitful, the reason seems to be this... The promise of eternal happiness is so agreeable to the inclinations and wishes of mankind that all who call themselves Christians universally and willingly subscribe to the belief of it. But then there is something so shocking in the considerations of eternal torments and seemingly such an infinite disproportion between an endless duration of pain and short life spent in pleasure that men some at least of them can scarcely be brought to confess it as an article of their faith that an eternity of misery awaits the wicked in a future state i shall therefore at this time beg leave to insist on the proof of this part of the one of the articles of our creed and endeavor to make good what our blessed Lord has here threatened in the words of the text. These, that is the wicked, shall go away into everlasting punishment. Accordingly, without considering the words as they stand in relation to the context, I shall resolve all I have to say into this one general proposition that the torments reserved for the wicked hereafter are eternal. But before I proceed to make good this, I must inform you that I take it for granted. All present do steadfastly believe they have something within them, which we call a soul and which is capable of surviving the dissolution of the body and of being miserable or happy to all eternity. I take it for granted farther that you believe a divine revelation, that those books emphatically called the scriptures were written by the inspiration of God and that the things therein contained are founded upon eternal truth. I take it for granted that you believe that the Son of God came down to die for sinners and that there is but one mediator between God and man, even the man Christ Jesus. These things being granted and they were necessary to be premised. Proceed we now to make good the one general proposition asserted in the text, that the torments Reserved for the wicked hereafter are eternal. These shall go away into everlasting punishment. The first argument I shall advance to prove that the torments reserved for the wicked hereafter are eternal is that the Word of God Himself assures us, in line upon line, that it will be so. To quote all of the texts that might be produced in proof of this would be endless. Let it suffice to instance only a few. In the Old Testament, in the book of Daniel, chapter 12, verse 2, we are told that some shall wake to everlasting life and others to everlasting contempt in the book of isaiah it is said that the worm of those that have transgressed god's law and die in penitently shall not die nor their fire be quenched and in another place the holy prophet struck no doubt with astonishment and horror at the prospect of continuance of the torments of the damned, breaks out into this moving expostulation. Who can dwell with everlasting burnings? The New Testament is still fuller as to this point, it being a revelation which brought this and such like particulars to a clear light. The Apostle Jude tells us of the profane despiser of dignities in his days, that for them was reserved the blackness of darkness forever. And in the book of the Revelation, it is written that the smoke of the torments of the wicked ascendeth forever and ever. And if we believe the witness of men inspired the The witness of the Son of God who had the Spirit given him as mediator, without measure, is still far greater. And in St. Mark's Gospel, he repeats this solemn declaration three several times. It is better for thee to enter into life maimed, That is, it is better to forego the gratification of thy lust or incur the displeasure of a friend which may be as dear to thee as a hand or as useful as a foot than having two hands and feet. That is for indulging the one or disobeying God to oblige the other to be cast into hell where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. And here again, in the words of the text, these, the wicked, shall go away in everlasting punishment. I know it has been objected by some who have denied the eternity of hell torments that the words everlasting and ever and ever are often used in the Holy Scripture, especially in the Old Testament, when they signify not an endless duration, but a limited term of time and this we readily grant but then we reply that when the words are used with this limitation they either manifestly appear to be used so from the context or are put in opposition to occasional types which god gave his people on some special occasions and when it is said it shall be a perpetual or everlasting statue Or a statue forever that is a standing type and not merely transient or occasional as was the pillar of cloud the manna and such like or lastly they have a relation to that covenant God made with his spiritual Israel which if understood in a spiritual sense will be everlasting though the ceremonial dispensation be abolished besides it ought to be observed that some of the passages just now referred to have neither of these words so much as mentioned in them, and cannot possibly be interpreted so as to denote only a limited term of years. But let that be as it will. It is evident, even to a demonstration, that the words of the text will not admit of such a restrained signification as appears from their being directly opposed to the words immediately following that the righteous shall go into life eternal from which words all are ready to grant that the life promised to be the righteous will be eternal and why the punishment threatened to the wicked should not be understood to be eternal likewise when the very same word in the original is used to express the duration of each no shadow of a reason can be given but secondly there cannot be one argument urged why god should reward his saints with everlasting happiness which will not equally prove that he ought to punish sinners with eternal misery for since we know nothing at least for a certainty How he will deal with either but by a divine revelation. And since as was proved by the foregoing argument, he hath as positively threatened eternally to punish the wicked as to reward the good. It follows that his truth will be as much impeached and called in question did he not inflict his punishments as it would be if he did not confer his rewards to this also it has been objected that though god is obliged by promise to give his rewards yet his veracity could not be called in question supposing he should not execute his threatenings as he actually did not in the case of nineveh which God expressly declared by his prophet Jonah should be destroyed in 40 days. Notwithstanding, the sequel of the story informs us that Nineveh was spared. But in answer to this objection, we affirm that God's threatenings, as well as his promises, are without repentance. And for this reason, because they are both founded on the eternal laws of right reason, Accordingly, we always find that where the conditions were not performed on the non-performance of the threatenings were denounced, God always executed the punishment threatened. The driving Adam out of the Eden, the destruction of the old world by a deluge of water, and the overthrow of Sodom and Gomorrah are and will always be Many standing monuments of God's executing His threatenings when denounced, though to our weak apprehensions. The punishments may seem far to exceed the crime. It is true. God did spare Nineveh, and that because the inhabitants did actually repent and therefore performed the conditions upon which it was supposed by the prophets being sent to warn them the threatened punishment should be withheld. And so in respect to gospel threatenings, if men will so far consult their own welfare as to comply with the gospel, God certainly will not punish them. But on the contrary, confer upon them his rewards. But to affirm that he will not punish and that eternally too impenitent Obstinate sinners, according as he hath threatened, what is it in effect but to make God like a man, that he should lie, or the son of man, that he should repent? But the absurdity of such an opinion will appear still more evident from the third argument I shall offer to prove, that the torments reserved for the wicked hereafter are eternal from the nature of the Christian covenant. And here I must again observe that it was taken for granted at the beginning of this discourse that you do believe the Son of God came down to save sinners and that there is but one mediator between God and men, even the man Christ Jesus. And here I take it for granted farther unless you believe the absurd and unwarrantable doctrine of purgatory, that you are fully persuaded this life is the only time allotted by Almighty God for working out your salvation. And that after a few years are passed over, there will remain no more sacrifice for sin. And if this be granted, and who dares deny it, it follows that if the wicked man dieth in his wickedness and under the wrath of God, he must continue in that state to all eternity. For since there is no possibility of being delivered out of such a condition, but by and through Christ, and since, at the hour of death the time of christ's mediation and intercession for him is irrecoverably gone the same reason that may be given why god should punish a sinner that dieth under the guilt of his sins for a single day will equally hold good why he should continue to punish him for a year an age nay all eternity but i hasten to the fourth and last argument to prove that the torments reserved for the wicked hereafter are eternal because the devil's punishment is to be so that there is such a being whom we call the devil that he once was an angel of light but for his pride and rebellion against god was cast down from heaven and is now permitted with the rest of the spiritual wickedness to walk to and fro seeking whom they may devour that there is a place of torment reserved for them or to use the apostles words that they are reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day and truths all here present were supposed to be convinced of at the beginning of the discourse, you believing the holy scriptures to be written by the inspiration of God, wherein these truths are delivered. But then, if we allow all this and think it no injustice in God to punish those once glorious spirits for their rebellion. How can we think it unjust in him to punish wicked men for their impenitency to all eternity? You will say perhaps that they have sinned against greater light and therefore deserve a greater punishment. And so we grant that the punishment of the fallen angels may be greater as to degree than that of wicked men. But then we affirm it will be equal as to the eternal duration of it. For in that day, as the lively oracles of God inform us, shall the Son of Man say to them on his left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Where we find that impenitent sinners are to be cast into the same everlasting fire with the devil and his angels and that too very justly for though they may have sinned against greater light yet christians sin against greater mercy since christ took not hold of did not die for the fallen angels but for men and for our salvation so if god spared not those excellent beings, assure thyself, O obstinate sinner, whoever thou art, he will by no means spare thee. For what then has been said, it plainly appears that verily the torments reserved for the wicked hereafter were eternal. And if so, brethren, how ought we to fly to Jesus Christ for refuge? How holy ought we to be in all manner of conversation and godliness that we may be accounted worthy to escape the wrath to come. But before I proceed to a practical exhortation, permit me to draw an inference or two from what has been said. And first, If the torments reserved for the wicked hereafter are eternal, what shall we say to those who make an open profession in their creed to believe a life everlasting, a life of misery as well as happiness, and yet dare to live in the actual commission of those sins which will unavoidably, without repentance, bring them into that place of torment thou believest that the punishment of the impenitently wicked in another life are eternal thou dost well the devils also believe and tremble but no o vain man unless this belief doth influence thy practice and makes thee bid adieu to thy sins every time thou repeatest thy creed Thou doest in effect say, I believe I shall be undone forever. But secondly, if the torments reserved for the wicked hereafter are eternal, then let this serve as a caution to such persons. And it is to be feared there are some such who go about to dissuade others from the belief of such an important truth. There be no sure way in all probability to encourage and promote infidelity and profaneness than the broaching or maintaining so unwarrantable a doctrine. For if the positive threats of God concerning eternity of hell torments are already found insufficient to deter men from sin, what a higher pitch of wickedness may we imagine they will quickly arrive at when they are taught to entertain any hopes of a future recovery out of them. Or what is still worse, that their souls are hereafter to be annihilated and become like the beasts that perish. But woe unto such blind leaders of the blind. No wonder if they both fall into that ditch and let such corruptors of God's word know that I testify unto every man that heareth me this day, that if any one shall add or take away from the words that are written in the book of God, God shall take his part out of the book of life and shall add unto him all the plagues that are in the book. Thirdly, and lastly, if the torments reserved for the wicked hereafter are eternal, then this may serve as a reproof for those who quarrel with God and say it is inconsistent with his justice to punish a person to all eternity only for enjoying the pleasures of sin for such a season. But such persons must be told that it is not their thinking or calling God unjust will make him so. No, more than a condemned prisoner saying the law or judge is unjust will render either duly chargeable with such an imputation but knowest thou O worm what blasphemy thou art guilty of in charging god with injustice shall the thing form say to him that formed it why hast thou made me thus will thou presume to arraign the Almighty at the bar of thy shallow reasoning and call him unjust for punishing thee eternally only because thou wish it it may not be so? But hath God said it, and shall he not do it? He hath said it, and let God be true, though every man be a liar. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Assuredly he will. And if sinners will not own his justice in his threatenings here, they will be compelled ere long to own and feel them when tormented by him hereafter. But to come to a more practical application of what has been delivered. You have heard, brethren, the eternity of hell torments plainly proved from the express declarations of holy scriptures and consequences naturally drawn from them. And now there seems to need no great art of rhetoric to persuade any understanding person to avoid and abhor those sins, which without repentance will certainly plunge him into this eternal gulf. The disportion between the pleasure And the pain, if there be any pleasure in sin, is so infinitely great that supposing it was only possible, though not certain, that the wicked would be everlastingly punished. No one that has the reason of a man or the enjoying a little momentary pleasure would, one might imagine, run the hazard of enduring eternal pain, but since the torments of the damned are not only possible, but certain, since God himself who cannot lie has told us so, for men notwithstanding to persist in their disobedience and then flatter themselves that God will not make good his threatenings is a most egregious, gross, excessive instance of folly, and presumption dives himself supposed that if one rose from the dead his brethren would amend their lives but christians it seems will not repent though the son of god died and rose again and told them what they must expect if they continue obstinate in evil doing would we now and then draw off our thoughts from sensible objects and by faith meditate a while on the miseries of the damned i doubt not but we should as it were hear many an unhappy soul venting his fruitless sorrows in some such piteous moans as these "O oh, wretched man that i am Who shall deliver me from this body of death? Oh, foolish mortal that I was thus to bring myself into these never-ceasing tortures for the transitory enjoyment of a few short-lived pleasures which scarcely afforded me any satisfaction even when I most indulge myself in them. Alas! Are these the wages? These the effects of sin? O damned apostate! First to delude me with pretended promises of happiness and after several years drudgery in his service, thus to involve me in eternal woe. Oh, that I had never hearkened to his beguiling insinuations. Oh, that I have rejected his very first suggestions with utmost detestation and abhorrence oh that i had taken up my cross and followed christ oh that i had never ridiculed serious godliness and out of a false politeness condemned the truly pious as too severe too enthusiastic or too superstitious For I then had been happy indeed, happy beyond expression, happy to all eternity yonder in those blessed regions where they fit clothed with unspeakable glory and chanting forth their seraphic hallelujahs to the Lamb that sitteth on the throne forever. But alas, these reflections come now too late. These wishes now are vain and fruitless. I have not suffered and therefore must not reign with them. I have in effect denied the Lord that bought me and therefore justly am I now denied by him. But must I live forever tormented in these flames? Must this body of mine, which not long since lay in state, was clothed in purple and fine linen, and fared sumptuously every day. Must it be here eternally confined and made the mockery of insulting devils? O oh, eternity, that thought fills me with despair. I must be miserable forever. Come then, all oh, ye self-deluding, self-deluded sinners, and imagine yourself for once in the place of that truly wretched man, I have been here describing. Think, I beseech you, by the mercies of God in Christ Jesus, think with yourselves how racking, how unsupportable the never dying worm of a self condemning conscience will here after be to you. Think how impossible it will be for you to dwell with everlasting burnings, come all ye Christians of a lukewarm Laodicean spirit, ye Galilees in religion who care a little, but not enough for the things of God. Oh, think, think with yourselves how deplorable it will be to lose the enjoyment of heaven and run into endless torments merely because you will be content to be almost and will not strive to be all together Christians. Consider, I beseech you, consider how you will rave and curse that fatal stupidity which made you believe anything less than the true faith in Jesus, productive of a life of strict piety, self-denial and mortification, can keep you from those torments the eternity which I have been endeavoring to prove. But I can no more. These thoughts are too melancholy for me to dwell on, as well as for you to hear. And God knows, as punishing is his strange work, so denouncing his threatenings is mine. But if the bear mentioning the torments of the damned is so shocking, how terrible must the enduring of them be. And now, are not some of you ready to cry out? These hard sayings, who can bear them? But let not sincere Christians be in the least terrified at what has been delivered. No, for you is reserved a crown, a kingdom, an eternal and exceeding weight of glory, Christ never said that the righteous, the believing, the upright, the sincere, but it is the wicked, merciless, negatively good professors before described shall go into everlasting punishment. For you who love him in sincerity, a new and living way is laid open into the holy of holies by the blood of Jesus Christ and an abundant entrance will be administered unto you at the great day of account into eternal life. Take heed, therefore, and beware that there be not in any of you a root of bitterness springing up of unbelief, but on the contrary, steadfastly and heartily rely on the many precious promises reached out to you in the gospel, knowing that he who hath promised is faithful and therefore will perform. But let no obstinately wicked professors dare to apply any of the divine promises to themselves. For it is not meet to take the children's meat and give it to the dogs. No, to such the terrors of the Lord only belong. And as certainly as Christ will say to his true followers, come ye blessed children of my father, receive the kingdom prepared for you from the beginning of the world. So he will unalterably pronounce this dreadful sentence against all that die in their sins. Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devils and his angels from which unhappy state. May God of his infinite mercy deliver us all through Jesus Christ, to whom with thee, O Father, and thee, O Holy Ghost, three persons and one eternal God, be ascribed as is most due, all honor, power, might, majesty, and dominion now and forevermore.